0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Christian Family Chapel, our online service. And right there, wasn't that a blessing of a video? Uh, We want to say a hearty Happy Mother's Day to those of you ladies that that is what God has given you in your life, the joy to be a mother. We honor you. We respect you today. Uh, So thankful for that video to hear the hearts of children saying that. Um, Just want to say my name is Ryan Jorgensen, in case you don't know who I am. And uh, I get a privilege once in a while to to open the Word of God in a sermon. So we're going to continue to seek after the Lord through the Bible in a sermon. So go ahead and grab your Bibles right now off the shelf. Uh, turn them on on those devices and make your way to Luke chapter one. And uh, as you are finding your way there, uh, I do want to remind you: at the bottom of the screen is a, a, a number to text. Uh, it should be coming up here in a minute. But uh, when you see that, feel free—you can text in questions about the sermon, about the text—at any point throughout the sermon. You don't have to wait to the end and try to remember. We're going to have a and A at the end. Now, let me tell you what the sermon is about. It's actually going to be a Mother's Day sermon and and so you clearly understand this. I am not a woman, and I don't have firsthand experience of what it means to be a godly woman. Um, and, but I know the scripture, so I'm going to answer things from a scriptural standpoint. But we have a special guest going to join us for the Q&A after service today, and that is going to be Lisa Anderson, one of our elder wives. And she's going to speak also from an experiential side of things, being a woman and a mother herself. So really looking forward to the Q&A. Get ready for that. Again, text the number at the bottom of the screen at any point as we get into that. All right, well, let me give you the big idea today. Kind of already said it, but ladies, this is a sermon primarily to you, but men, there are gonna be some points in there for you as well. But, but here's the big idea. Ladies, God has wonderfully and beautifully made you to become his daughter, and as you're a daughter of God, then He wants you to continue to grow in a, as a godly woman for His glory. And today we're gonna, we're gonna learn at least six characteristics of what a godly woman looks like from the scriptures, and specifically looking at one lady, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she first is introduced to us in the scriptures as a young teenage uh, girl who is betrothed now help me out kids Mary the mother of Jesus gets married to who? who who becomes her husband? help me out Joseph, right? Joseph. And so she's betrothed to Joseph. Now, to betrothed in the culture of that time is to be engaged, but kind of on steroids is what that is. I mean, you are committed. It is just a matter of time for the ceremony. You're not living together. You're not having special married relationships together, but you're locked in. And so that's what's happening there. Now, uh, what we know from in uh, the Gospels is that God sends an angel angel named Gabriel to Mary. And the angel says, you are going to supernaturally conceive a son by God the Holy Spirit, not in the usual way that babies are conceived. Parents, feel free to explain that as far as you would like. Now, what happens is that we learn then is that Mary is um, in Luke chapter one, she's, I'm sorry, Luke chapter one. Okay, yeah, make sure I get it right there. Okay, so what we're gonna pick up today is that Mary is traveling from the north of Israel uh, in Galilee. She's traveling now south. She's already now pregnant. This is where we're gonna jump in in Luke chapter one. She's already pregnant. She's traveling to the southern hills of Judea to visit her relative, Elizabeth. Now Elizabeth is already pregnant as well, supernaturally, not by the Holy Spirit, but she's pregnant with her husband at a very old age. And so in Luke chapter 1, what we will see is that when pregnant Mary shows up to pregnant Elizabeth, this is fascinating. It says in the scripture there that the baby inside of Elizabeth leaps or jumps in an extreme way. Now, mothers, you might remember when you were able to feel the baby in you kicking. Even fathers like me, I had the privilege to have my hand on my uh, wife's uh, stomach when she was pregnant feel a baby kicking. And so uh, that's what's going on, but it sounds like it in a very extreme way. Now, why does God write this in Luke chapter one, this event that this, this baby leaps inside of Elizabeth? Let me tell you why. It's, it's clear that God is seeing the child in Elizabeth's womb as a person that is excited about another child in the womb of Mary as a person. I'm going to let, just, let that sink in for just a minute. See, God is saying here, you notice what's not said. it doesn't say that the appendage in Elizabeth's stomach jumped, like the hair on the back of a neck. Who cares if that happens? But see, God is writing to us and telling us here, he is seeing that this child, this baby in Elizabeth is a person who happens to be John the Baptist, who's excited because God has already called him before he's even born, that when he is born, he is going to pave the way and tell people about the savior of mankind, who is Jesus. And when Jesus shows up on inside the womb of Mary, then there's John the Baptist on the inside of his mother in the womb, and he jumps for joy. It's so fascinating. But see, God views both of them as what? As people. And so may we as God's people continue to view those people in the womb as exactly that, people. And so Elizabeth, what does she do? She rejoices with Mary. And then what we're going to pick up specifically in Luke chapter 1 is that Mary breaks out in a song of worship and praise to the Lord. And we're going to look into that. And we're going to find in this prayer of Mary the first characteristic of a godly woman we're going to look into. And so would you look with me in verse 46. I'll get my clicker going here. And here's what we got. It says, And Mary said... My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble estate of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humbled. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants, Forever. Now, notice what does Mary call uh, God in her prayer, in verse forty-seven. He says, "My spirit is rejoiced in God, my what, my Savior." And then she goes on in verse forty-nine, and she talks about that this mighty God has done great things for her. Well, what great things has God done for her? Well, in verse fifty, she says that His mercy has come upon him. Why? Because she's fearing him. And then by the time you get to verse 54, Israel gets again God's mercy. Let me summarize what Mary is saying in her prayer is this. Mary understood that she needed a savior for her soul. And that the very child in her was the Savior who was going to give her mercy for her sins. In other words, Mary trusted in God for her salvation. In the same way, a godly woman today is going to make sure you trust in God for your salvation. You see, Mary understood and she, under, she knew that she wasn't perfect without sin, contrary to what many people say about Mother Mary these days. She understood that she needed mercy from God for her sins. She remembered the Psalms, which then later were quoted in verses like this. Here's one: Romans chapter three, ten, that it said, "There's none righteous or perfect, not even one, including herself." She knew then also other passages like the idea of the prophet when he said that for all, including herself, of us have become like one who is unclean in our sin. And all our righteous deeds or our good deeds are like a filthy garment. That's saying that even if we don't trust in God, even our good stuff in the eyes of God is nasty because of our sins. She knew that about herself. She knew also that uh, in, um, that's not it, but in, uh, in Romans chapter six twenty three, that the consequence of sin is death, both a physical death in this world, but also a spiritual death in hell forever. So she understood these things about herself and that she needed a savior, someone to give her mercy for her sin, and that savior was Jesus. We also see that in this attitude of crying out to God, trusting in God, it also says that she feared the Lord. See, the fear of the Lord is a healthy fear is to understand that I've got a sin problem and that the consequences are great. And so she had that fear of the Lord and she cried out to Jesus to forgive her. It reminds me of another verse about women specifically fearing the Lord. Maybe you've heard of this one. Let me share this one with you. Proverbs 31 verse 30. It says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But what? A f- woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful. And so this is what the Lord wants for godly women is he wants you to trust in him for salvation. And so ladies, I'll just ask it again, is um, have you trusted in the Lord for your salvation? Have you gotten a healthy fear that you have a sin problem? Have you cried out to Jesus for mercy and asked him to forgive you and to come into your life? It all starts right there. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? It's as simple as praying something like that. Jesus, I admit that I have a sin problem, and I'm sorry for it. Please forgive me. Come into my life, and I will live the rest of my life for you. If you're willing to do that, that's what it is, to trust in Jesus for your salvation, and immediately he will forgive you, and he'll give you eternal life. You see, It's so important that you've done this because it all starts right here. If you want to be a godly woman, you've got to start with trusting the Lord for your salvation because here's the thing. I'm going to give five more principles looking at the life of Mary of what it looks like to be a godly woman. But if you haven't trusted in Jesus for your salvation, it's like that Isaiah 64 passage. If you try to apply these other five things, they're still nasty. You got to get right with God first. This is where godly womanhood starts right here. And so make sure you've done that. Now, before we move on, I don't want to skip over a point here. I want to speak specifically, believe this or not, to single men. Single men. Um, I, want to, I want to highlight that Proverbs 31 verse 30 again where it talks about beauty is vain and so forth, but the fear of the Lord, a woman who fears the Lord is worthy to be praised. Um, If you're sitting there thinking of the day when you're gonna get married someday, and you're thinking about that, that girl and what she's gonna be like, and you've got your list of what you're looking for, you gotta make sure your top thing on your list is not beauty. Beauty is something, we're not gonna overlook that. But it's not everything. And it's definitely not the most important thing. The most important thing that you need to be looking for, guys, Is a woman who fears the Lord. Is a woman who trusts in God for her salvation. Make sure you're looking for that. You'll never regret it. You'll be blessed greatly if you find such a woman. All right. Now um, let's uh, let's go on now. What about another uh, characteristic of a godly woman? Um, Let's see here. We've got this. Mary. uh, Before we get to that, but Mary, what she accepts God's call for her life. She accepts God's call for her life. In Luke chapter 1, again, we see the angel. He shows up to Mary. He says, hey, you're going to supernaturally conceive a child, not in the usual way that it's done. And, and, and here's the thing. She's not married yet. That's kind of a big problem, especially in her culture, because the culture as a whole clearly understood God's stance on the special relationship that it takes to make babies. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's only done within the marriage parameters. And so he's saying, you're going to have a baby not in those parameters. It's in a unique one. And so you better believe that people were going to think wrongly of her. I mean, think about this. Uh, imagine that for the first time in human history, uh, there's a teenage girl pregnant and she's claiming it's not the normal way. Right? It's, it's a miracle. It's kind of crazy. I remember, I'll never forget, a few years ago, I was uh, listening to a Christian radio show and a guy calls into the radio show and he says, Christianity's been wrong since the start because a teenage girl conceived out of wedlock. He was clearly did not believe in what we call the virgin birth. And if people don't believe it today, you better believe that when their teenage Mary shows up pregnant and she's not married yet, people thought the worst. They didn't have all the facts, but it didn't matter. Now, As Mary's being told by Gabriel, this is God's call for her life. She's calculating this. She's like, most people aren't going to believe that I'm the only human ever to have this happen to them and that I'm not in sin. So what does Mary say in response to Gabriel when he's giving her this specific call? Does she say, sorry, God, you got the wrong girl, not me? No, check that out. Verse 38 It says, Mary says, behold, the bond slave of the Lord, it may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That is amazing. That is amazing that she understood that most people were gonna accuse her falsely. They were gonna think the worst of her. But she trusted the Lord. She accepted God's call for her life. You see that's what a godly woman is going to do is you're going to accept God's call for your life whatever that call is. You see God has specific calls for his daughters. And they can range in all sorts of ways. And so I ask this, what's your specific call in this season of your life? Is it to be a student? Well then, God wants you to be the best student that you can be. Accept that call and put your whole heart into it. Is God call for you to be someone who works in the workforce, as a teacher, as a banker, as a nurse, whatever that is? Well, if that's the case, be the best at your work that God can help you to be, and do it for His glory. Is God's call for you to be a wife and that's specific to you? Maybe not everybody. Be the best wife you can be. Is it to be a mom and God's giving you that? Be the best mom you can be. And now here it is. This is where it gets even harder. What if God calls you to be single and you don't want to be single? Are you willing to accept that call in your life for this season at least? What if you want to be a mom and that's not happened yet? Are you willing to accept that that's God's call for your life at least now? Unless something changes. You see, it gets really hard when the calling gets hard. But I just want to encourage you that a godly woman is going to accept whatever it is that's in your life. And so that's what Mary did. Think about that. Even though it was an extremely hard calling, she, her reputation was ruined in the eyes of so many people. She did it faithfully. I want to encourage you in a couple things about this also when it comes to accepting God's call. Whatever that is in your life, if it so happens to be that if your reputation might be ruined, if you're going to be accused for things but you're obeying the Lord— Stay faithful to the call. Mary did it. You can do it too. How about this? You ever maybe wonder, like, okay, I think this is God's call for my life, but I don't feel equipped for it. Can I remind you about what what was Mary's call? Could you imagine? I mean, how could any woman ever feel equipped to be the only person in all of humanity to conceive of the Holy Spirit a child, and that child happens to be the Savior of the world? You're going to raise the Savior of the world. How can any woman ever feel equipped for that? And so I just want to encourage you, if God calls you, he will help you. Do you believe that today? Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, he will help you. He will equip you. If God could help Mary, which he did, he can definitely help you with whatever it is that you're facing. Here's the third characteristic of a godly woman that we see modeled in Mary's life, and that is she is faithful to her husband. She was faithful to her husband. If God has called you and given you a husband, you are to be faithful to your husband. You see, Mary was faithful in the relational way that, again, adults, you know what I'm talking about, to Joseph leading up to this point, saving herself for her husband. Of course, we know later on, saves yourself to the day of marriage. She was faithful to him in that way. She was faithful to him in just commitment through some crises in their life. One was when the government told uh, Joseph and Mary I want you to they, they wanted them everybody to go to their hometowns for a, uh, for a census. And when they traveled to Bethlehem together, she's pregnant and they find there's no room in the inn. And she doesn't say, "Well, Joseph, you don't know what you're doing, and I'm going to go take matters into my own hands. And I'm going to go do my own stuff." No, she stays faithful to the Lord, she's faithful to Joseph, she trusts Joseph to find some other place for them to stay. A bigger crisis than that was, a little bit later on, after Jesus was born, Herod, the governor, was trying to kill Jesus. And so they take Jesus and they flee all the way to Egypt to a foreign land with a foreign language. And never never through all of that stressful crisis do we ever hear that Mary's like, Joseph, you don't know what you're doing. I'm going to go do my own thing. No. She stays faithful to the Lord and stays faithful to her husband through some extreme crises. And as far as we can see in the scriptures, we know that they had other children later on and she stayed faithful to her husband for their whole marriage. You see, especially in times of crises, unfortunately, you see many times that couples, instead of growing closer together, they grow farther apart and one or both become unfaithful in some capacity in a crisis. And that's not what we see Mary do, but we definitely see that happen in our culture. But a godly woman is going to stay faithful no matter what happens. Let me share with you an amazing, encouraging story about a woman who was faithful to her husband for many, many years through many hardships. This is so fascinating. I got a picture here on the screen. Um, This man, uh, fast forward now to a few years ago, he was 96 years old. And he receives, for the first time ever, a lost love letter of his wife that was written 72 years beforehand. She's actually now deceased when he gets this love letter from her 72 years later. At that time when she wrote the love letter, he was in the Navy and he was overseas serving in a war. And I want you to hear the faithful love of this woman, even in time of crisis, even in time of separation, this is really cool to hear. She writes, she wrote this. She said, you will always be more important to me than the two of us together. Alone in each other's arms will always be heaven on earth to me. I guess I sound as if I love my husband. Will I do? Exclamation mark. I love you. As I love the warm sun, and that is what you are to my life. The sun about which everything else revolves for me. And then she finishes, my time is up now. I must go back to work until death do us part. Virginia. And she was faithful to him when he was overseas. And then she was faithful to him and they were faithful to one another for many, many decades. After that. Why? Because she understood that to be married is death do us part. That is the end of it. And so she was faithful. And so, ladies, may you make sure that you stay faithful to your husband if that is what God has in your life to be married. Single ladies, for those of you that probably are having some daydreams about meeting Mr. Wright about getting married, having that ceremony, what that will look like in the future. Here's what I hope is in those those dreams. Death do us part for the rest of my life. That's what marriage is. I hope you're not buying into some of this contractual view of marriage. It's a bunch of nonsense, just to be frank. Marriage is till death do us part. Make sure that's in your daydreams, ladies. Married women, you're already married. I just want to encourage you today. Let Mary's life encourage you today. Be faithful to your husband. For some of you, that's kind of an easy thing, thankfully. But for some others of you, it's a hard thing. And just want to encourage you. Even if you're going through crisis, be faithful. That's what a godly woman does. Some of you have been married for many, many decades. And we praise God for that. You're a model for so many people. Some of you have only been married maybe a week, few weeks. Maybe you got married during the pandemic here. My hope is that you're not sitting there right now saying, this point, I really needed this point that I need to be faithful. If, if that's you, okay, I say it was fun, but you know, if, if you're already struggling, well, here, let me encourage you with this. I remember when uh, Holly and I first got married, we were told by multiple people that the years two through five in marriage are some of the hardest years of marriage. If you can make it through those years, you got a much better chance uh, going forward. And so I'll just say if you're newly wed or you're two through five years or whatever that is, just, just stick in there. Uh, seek out a godly woman who's been married longer than you. Sin under her, learn from her the wisdom that God has given her. Most of all, seek the Lord. Ask the Lord to help you to be faithful today, and he will help you to do so. All right, here's the fourth characteristic of a godly woman, is that if God gives you children, uh, whether through adoption, whether through natural, whatever it is, you're going to take care of your children. A godly woman takes care of your children, kind of a common, uh, you know, easy to understand concept, um, but it's what we see Mary did. Uh, we know again from multiple passages like Matthew 12 that, that Jesus had, i um, sorry, that Mary had other children with Joseph other than uh, Jesus, that he had siblings. And when you study the scriptures about Mary, we see that she was uh, an excellent mother, She took care of all of her children very well. I want to highlight a few ways that she, in the scriptures, uh, that we see that she was a good mother who took care of her children. Obviously, didn't just take care of them physically, but even more importantly, she took care of them spiritually. Specifically, in in, uh, Luke chapter 2, there was this trip that Mary and Joseph took their family on. To Jerusalem is during one of the three annual feasts where God's people would gather together to worship Yahweh to worship God together And even the fact that Jesus is 12 years old at this time Even the fact that they are there and they go that is a model for Mary and Joseph But of Mary of a godly woman who understands what the importance of getting her family together to worship God with God's people today That's like our church services Now, obviously, we can't gather together right now, but we're really looking forward to that in the near future. But mothers, one way to take care of your children spiritually is to help get them up and going and get them to God's people in church when we gather together. And I know right now, some of us might be saying, some of the mothers might be saying, and the dads for that matter, just getting my kids up in their jammies watching the TV right now is a hard chore. And I would say, I understand and I feel you, okay? And this is what we're doing, but so much better, isn't it, to get together. And so a godly mother is going to do what it takes to get her children together together. It's what we saw Mary do, taking them all the way on a trip to Jerusalem for many days, mind you. Well, another thing that we see in that trip is that Jesus is dialoguing deeply in the scriptures with theological uh, people and, and religious leaders, And see, where that comes from is where did all the knowledge come from? Well, he didn't just get it because he was God. The Bible says he actually learned the scriptures. Where did he learn them from? Well, we know from Deuteronomy 6 that a godly father and a mother are going to teach their children at home the things of God, the word of God. And so it's very clear that Mary and Joseph taught the scriptures to Jesus and the other children. So that that shows up in uh, the passage that he's dialoguing with theologians. And so the same thing, mothers, make sure you're teaching the things of God, the word of God to your children at home as best as you can. The biggest way that we see that that Mary was a godly mother and took care of her children culminates at his own crucifixion. You think about this. Jesus is getting crucified, and I want to just share with you an excerpt of what was going on at that scene. Uh, In John 19, it says, therefore the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother. And then there's a list of other people, but we're highlighting this. Mary was standing at the cross by Jesus. And you say, of course she would. She's a mother. What mother wouldn't? But you have to understand this. It was like mob mentality going on right now. And there was a very high risk and chance that someone could find out, wait, you're his mom? We hate him? Let's harm you. Mary's own life was at risk by being at Jesus' crucifixion. But she didn't care because she loved her son. She was a good mother and she was with him to the end. And so may God help us to be faithful to um, our husbands, but also take care of our children as a mother, if that's you. I lost my place. Let me get there. (laughs) All right. You know, as I think about it with um, mothers taking care of their children, when I think of Christian Family Chapel, as I was just preparing this, I was just thinking, man, you know, we have a, a church, not with perfect mothers, obviously, but with so many godly ones. I see so many mothers that are doing the best you can to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. You're teaching the word of God to them at home. I see, ch- I see mothers who are choosing uh, to give their children what they need, not always what they want. I see single moms. I see spiritually single moms who are doing the best you can to raise your children for the Lord. I see empty nesting moms who are pouring into younger moms now. And sharing from the vast wealth of wisdom that you have to help them to be godly mothers as well. And, and while not neglecting your own adult children now. And, and still loving them and serving them and taking care of them and maybe even grandchildren now. And while also though not crossing the relational boundaries of the leave and cleave concept. What a complex scenario for empty nesting moms. But there's so many of you out there and I just want to say I'm blessed to be able to watch you be such godly women, and so God may God continue to help you to do that for his glory. Let me give a couple more characteristics of a godly woman from Mary's life. Here's another one that we see that she did. She held loosely to her children in the same way a godly woman is going to hold loosely to your children if God gives you children. Let's go back to Jesus' crucifixion. Remember that again, Mary's there, and she's taking care of him to the end but I want you to ask this. Ladies, imagine this. What would you do if you had to watch your son or daughter be crucified right in front of you? What would that do to you? Let me ask it a different way. What if you had to watch your own child be killed in some evil and gruesome way in front of you? Or even just less than that. What if God were to take your child away from you at an early age? What would you do? You see many times unfortunately not just moms but dads too, parents that when a child's life is taken from them at a young age instead of turning to God what happens they take their fist against God because what's happened a lot of times as parents not just moms also dads can do this but we can take our hands to our children and we can put our fingers around them and forget the fact that they're not ultimately our children But that God is the one who gives and he's the one that takes away. And he's the one who has given our children to us, but we are to hold them with an open hand and to be stewards of them and raise them towards the Lord. But but if the Lord were ever to choose to take our child away from us at a young age, whether by death or to go overseas as a missionary, we're not going to see them for a long time or whatever it is, are we willing to hold loosely to them? so I just want to encourage you that Mary, she held loosely to Jesus, didn't she? She allowed him to continue to pursue what God's call was in his life. She didn't try to intervene and to stop at the crucifixion, for instance. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that she didn't try to step in somehow and stop Jesus from being crucified. Why? Because who is Jesus dying for? For me and for you. And so I'm so thankful that she understood holding loosely to Jesus. And so mothers, obviously God knows this is a hard thing, right? That, That he wants you to love and take care of your children very well. But he also wants to make sure that you're holding them loosely. And so here's an encouraging thing. I would just say this is a practical thing. Every day, pray to the Lord something like this. God, I want to thank you for my child or for my children. They are truly a gift from you. But Lord, I hold them loosely. And I say that if you were to ever call them home early or to some other thing that's far away from me, may I never get in the way because they are yours, not mine if we pray that every day, that if God were to do something like that, it's still going to be extremely hard, but it'll be a lot easier. We won't get in the way of what God might be doing in their life. Here's a final characteristic of what it means to be a godly woman is you're faithful to the end. A godly woman is going to be faithful to the Lord to the end of your life. That's what we see with Mary And so you see that she is faithful to Jesus. She doesn't turn her back to the father uh, as she sees her son being crucified. She keeps following the Lord. Then when Jesus raises from the dead and through the rest of Mary's life in scripture that we can see, she was faithful following God to the end of her life. She finished strong. You see, there's a saying that goes like this. It's not the first day of following Jesus that matters most. It's the last day. I'm going to say that one more time. It's not the first day of following Jesus that matters most, but it's the last day. Why? Because to follow Jesus, it's about finishing. And it's about finishing strong, right? Right? Uh, think about this. Whoever ever goes to a, a person who races um, and, and they get a third place finish and they run up and say, hey, here's your trophy. You had the best start. Congratulations. That never happens. Why? Because it's about the finish that matters. It's about completing the race. Mary finished following Jesus to the end of her life. She was faithful. Faithful. And our perfect example of someone who was faithful to following the Father to the end, even though he's not a mother, not a woman, but it's Jesus himself, who we can always draw from him. Was Jesus faithful to the end? You better believe it. As his skin was being torn apart on the flogging floor, Jesus was faithful to the Father to the end. As he was mocked and punched and made fun of, he stayed faithful to the Father. As the crown of thorns was driven into his head, he stayed faithful to the Father. As the nails were driven through his wrist and his feet and he's lifted up off the cross, he stayed faithful to the Father. And as he breathes his last agonizing breath, and he said, it is finished, he stayed faithful to the Father. Ladies, can I just encourage you every day in those prayers that you pray to the Lord, would you pray something like this? Father, I pray that you would help me today to stay faithful to following you today. And if you do that every day of your life, by the end, you will find that you've crossed the finish line in a strong way. Why? Because you're gonna receive rewards in the end of a life because you are a beautiful daughter of God. So I just want to close right now actually honoring not just the mothers, but all the ladies that are watching right now. Again, the Lord has created you as a girl, as a woman, to be his daughter. So first of all, again, have you trusted in Jesus for your salvation and become his daughter? If you have it, I'm going to pray right now that you would do that. But for the rest of you, ladies, sisters in Christ, that's what you are to me. We wanna honor you here today and pray for you that God would bless you and help you to be a godly woman. So um, if you're a family, gather up around the ladies in your room, both a mom, of course, any girls and, and lay hands on them, guys. If you're just a a woman watching this by yourself, I'm gonna pray for you through the screen. If you're a couple ladies sitting together, that's fine. Lay hands on each other and you're gonna pray for each other, but let's do this. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, we pray for all the women who are watching right now. We thank you that you have made them so beautifully inside and out, young and old. You love them so much. You've made them in your image. Lord, I pray right now for any ladies who are watching that they have yet to trust in you for salvation and they have yet to become your daughter. Lord, I pray that right now, if they're willing that they would pray this right now, that they would say to you right now, Jesus, I I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. Come into my life and adopt me in your family as as a daughter of God. And Lord, if they did that right now, we just rejoice that they have just become your daughter. And now, Lord, we pray for all of our ladies that are sisters in Christ that are your daughters. God, would you continue to fill them overflowing with your spirit right now? Help them to be the godly women that you want them so badly to be. It's not easy. It's hard a lot of times. But Jesus, you said, if we ask you, you will help us. And so, God, would you help them to be that? And finally, God, we thank you again for our mothers. And we pray that you would give them an extra dose of your blessing, your grace. Because many, many times, that's a very hard calling. But we thank you for them. And may you honor them. And may you give them uh, everything that they need. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Let's sing this together. This be our prayer. May the mind my Savior, live in me from day to day, and by His love and power, controlling all I do and all I say. Word of Christ. May the world I may be called to comfort, sick and sorrow. One, two, all have joined us today um i want to invite you uh, to stick around for about 60 seconds or so we're going to take a little break um thank you for those who have sent in questions already remember that text number is below we've got uh jonathan monk and ryan and lisa anderson here to answer your questions um, from god's word so bring those i hope you guys have a great rest of the day that we would my prayer is that we as a body today and every day after that that our prayer would be that we want to walk worthy, that we want to continually bear fruit in cultivating faithfulness in Him. So thank you again for joining us. God bless.